Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Friday, October 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians front office and manager Terry Francona uh, wrapped up the 2022 season with a couple of media sessions today at Progressive Field. Uh, we found out some things that maybe we didn't, weren't uh, entirely clear on, but one big thing, one big takeaway uh, from uh, those meetings was uh, Terry Francona will definitely be back to manage the Guardians in 2022. 23. Yeah, hang definitely, on, hang, on, Joe. hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. But one thing we definitely know for sure, Terry Francona will be back to manage the Guardians in 2023. That was one of the first questions asked to, uh, you know, of uh, Francona, Chris Antonetti, and Mike Chernoff, and they all seemed pleased that uh, that – you know, that the answer was yes. Um, you know, it, it's a little unusual. We didn't get the length of the contract or, uh, you know, I, I knew we weren't going to get the terms, but usually you get a length of the contract. You know, uh, Tito's uh, two-year extension expired this, you know, at the end of this season. And, uh, but right now it, it sounds like, you know, it's kind of open-ended. Is that the impression you got, Joe? Yeah, it's sort of a, a unique situation because, I think it was pretty clear that that Terry Francona doesn't necessarily want to manage anywhere else. I think this is this is pretty much like maybe his destination and, wh- and where he sees himself. Uh, I, I can't see him wanting to to manage anywhere else because of the 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 way that he interacts with the the front office. And you heard him say, you know how how the franchise has treated him over the years. Uh, I, I think he feels like he owes it to the franchise and and in turn, uh, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff sort of owe it to him as well. Uh, they, they feel that way. So it's a it's a good relationship. I think that's the best way to look at it. Maybe not in terms of contract years or contract uh, dollars or anything like that. But as long as Terry Francona wants to manage and is healthy and can manage, I think uh, he's he's got that sort of uh, sort of like a, 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 a it's not, not a great way to say it, but a blank check, uh, you know, just sort of a, the ability to, to, you know, say when he wants to stay or go on his own terms. And I think that's the best situation for both sides. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, you know, this there was like uh, 
this was a, wasn't the first uh, kind of, uh, I guess, an evergreen deal by a, a Cleveland manager. Pat Corrales, when I first started covering the Indians, um, was uh, had had the same a, a kind of a deal where uh, you know the, the his contract would just roll over every year. Peter Bravesi brought that in when uh, he took over as president of of the team, and uh, you know Corrales managed what four or five years before he got fired, I think, in what 1987, I believe, maybe 88. But uh, so, but this is this seems a much more a successful union, you know, I think, you know, Francona has taken uh, Cleveland to the postseason six times, four division titles, you know, a trip, a one, one pennant uh, trip to the world series. And this season, you know, may have been his best, uh, best job uh, in, in his 10 years in Cleveland. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things that he said sort of led you to believe that, you know, he, he almost feels like there's maybe unfinished business or, you know, he, he sort of put in the work to, to sort of build this club up and, and go through this young season. And, and he, he wants to stick around and see it pay off. I mean, uh, what would be the sense for, for Terry Francona, you know, taking a team full of, you know, 24-year-olds to a, a 92-win season and then have somebody else come in behind him and take them to the to the postseason again and maybe win it all with them. I think he wants to really see what, how far this group of, of young guardians players can go. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, their enthusiasm, their, the way they played uh, the, the um, you know, just the unexpected results that we saw from Steven Kwan and, and Oscar Gonzalez and Andres Jimenez uh, you know, I think that energized Francona that, you know, that, you know, he was he was in the dugout wire to wire this year after, you know, two years of of, you know, really missing big parts of the season with uh, health problems. And I think, uh, you know, he wants to, like you said, see this through, Joe, or or at least, you know, see this team improve. The uh, the the meeting where they they finally sort of like worked out how this, uh, you know, was going to work going forward. I guess took place in Kansas City, uh, you know, with a, about a month ago in the the season, uh, and Antonetti and Chernoff sort of walked into his office. I guess there's a it says he was he was sweating. Uh, P- Tito <laughs> said that his uh, his his armpits were sweaty. He was all uh, discombobulated, and there was a, a a hamburger sitting on his laptop on his desk that uh, that Antonetti said had to be cleared out of the way in order to to sort of get down to brass tacks and fit, hammer out how this was going to work. But they said the meeting took all of five minutes and they all seem to be on the same page. So, uh, you know, it might not be that easy to, to negotiate with players. But when you're you and your manager are on the, the same page like that, uh, it makes for the makes for a pretty easy negotiation. Yeah, I think, you know, it sounded similar to, uh, you know, what Tito and, uh, you know, and I think Antonetti and, and uh, Mark Shapiro did, you know, the first time around when when he signed. He, you know, he's, he really didn't know what kind of deal he wanted. Uh, I think this was his first extension. He didn't know what kind of deal he wanted. You know, he went to uh, to Chris and to uh, Shapiro, and they basically, you know, wrote told him how to how to negotiate a deal. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, Tito's got an agent somewhere. Somebody's whispering in his ear. But, you know, he's kind of, it sounds like he's flying by the seat of his pants. So, 
you know, it must, uh, you know, he's, I think he's in a pretty good financial spot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, the last thing that, that Terry Francona should have to worry about is the dollar figures on anything like that. And I don't think a, a lot was sort of made about that. It's more about the fit and the comfortability and, uh, you know, the the willingness and ability for Tito to stay healthy and, and stay uh, out there in the dugout and, and managing this club. Uh, and then and then we did talk about, you know, he, he there were times when he contemplated during the season, you know, hey, am I going to am I going to do this? Am I going to come back? next year and I, I think he said the um the resounding thing is he, he said it's human nature because you get tired you're on the road and, and sometimes you have a lot of time to think to yourself in hotels and all that and he said he was just being honest with him but he ultimately arrived at the conclusion yeah i still want to come back yeah i think he you know like we, we were saying before this team kind of you know caught his attention energized him uh he sees potential in this team, and you know I think uh, that that energized him, and you know put a you know it it, it just made him want you know to to come back next year and see just how far they can go. They they went a lot farther than people expected this year. The wild card swept the wild card round, took the Yankees to five games in the ALDS. So um, you know the futures. The future is really bright for this club, Joe. I I think this might be the best group of prospects and young, you know, young players, young professional players and big league players that they've had since, you know, 94, 95 when Lofton and Alomar and Bayerga and Bell and uh, those guys were all kind of brought together by John Hart and Dan O'Dowd. It, it's it's I think this is a really, really exciting group. And I think uh, Francona, you know, kind of recognizes that. Yeah, you you don't want to jump off the train just when it's getting to the uh, to the good part, I guess. Uh, we were also given updates on the Jose Ramirez injury that's going to require surgery in the offseason and a couple of other injuries. Let's let's run through them here quickly. Uh, Jose is going to have um, surgery on that uh, that torn ulnar collateral ligament uh, sometime in early November. Uh, they said that, uh, you know, what was sort of revealed in that was the conversation that Jose had with uh, Terry Francona when the club was in L.A. And they sort of got the details from the doctors after the MRI on, on what was going on with his thumb. Uh, it was sort of one of those situations where, well, it's torn. You can either have surgery now and miss the rest of the season or, uh, you know, sort of tolerate the pain and gut your way through it. And Jose, it. Tito said Jose walked into his office. He said, hey, not only am I not having surgery, I'm playing tomorrow and I'm going to be in the lineup. And he was in the lineup every day after that. Uh, just uh, a testament to, to Jose's toughness and his willingness to just go out there and leave it all out on the field for this club. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just, uh, you know, he. <laughs> it's just, um, you know, you, you look at his numbers, and yes, he took, uh, you know, they dipped in the second half uh, after the break because of this injury. But still, overall, the, the, the uh, you know, the total, you know, the total production of this season is amazing. What, 280, 20, 28, 29 home runs, uh, career high 126 RBIs, you know, career high in at-bats, career, ties a career high in games played. Joe, this guy was this this guy was in into it. He was he was in it for the long haul. 
you know, what he wins a postseason game that uh, the two run homer against the Rays uh, hits 400 in the ALDS. I mean, even with, you know, even with one, you know, swinging a bat one handed, basically, he's still a pretty darn good hitter. Yeah, that's uh, it, it really. It, you, and we'll do uh, deep dives into the numbers on Jose's season and and what it all meant after the injury and, and sort of his product productivity, his his hard hit percentage took a real dip uh, after July. And it was pretty evident in that, uh, you know, he was asked about or Tito was asked about letting him uh, participate in the home run derby, but sort of insisting that he only swing right-handed because, you know, left-handed, the power wasn't going to be there. Um, Tito said, you know, how do you tell a guy no? How do you say no to a kid who's given everything to the franchise uh, that he can't compete in that home run derby? He let him go out there and 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 perform uh, even even though he didn't win it. Uh, just the the sacrifices made by by Jose Ramirez sort of they're they're gonna they're gonna live on I think. And and just if he had had that surgery, if he had decided, hey, no, I'm I'm bailing and I'm I'm gonna have that surgery. We're not talking about a division title. We're not talking about a postseason run. And and we're talking about a. Uh, a franchise with a lot more question marks than answers that it, it eventually found uh, throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, he signed that one, that uh, seven-year, $141 million contract at the beginning of the season. Uh, it would have been very, very easy to say uh, no mas and uh, get the surgery done, take the rest of the year off. But anyone who has watched uh, Ramirez play, over seven, eight years, his career in Cleveland knows he's not that kind of player. He wants to play. He likes to play. He wants to be on the field. And he realizes his, uh, you know, status on this ball club, his, his importance to this ball club. And even if he wasn't, what, if he was 80% or 75%, it was still, he, he, he still had that. He still, you know, that was still an important part of, of him, of that team, you know, him being in the lineup, him playing third base every day, what him batting second or third every day. That was that was a key part to the team's success. Uh, we also found out uh, from Chris Antonetti, uh, something we didn't know, uh, Andres Jimenez had played uh, the basically the second half of September and on through the playoffs with a non-displaced, uh, non-displaced fracture in his right thumb. Uh, that uh, took place during, uh, I, I believe, uh, sometime in September. And, uh, you know, you could kind of tell uh, Jimenez's pr- productivity sort of dropped off there uh, late in the season and, and definitely in the playoffs. He had that one five strikeout game uh, against Tampa Bay. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't necessarily swinging the bat. I mean, this is a guy who was hit 25 times. It set a new franchise record uh, and was was second in all of baseball in hit by pitch. Uh you know, maybe something has to change there uh, with the approach next year. But Andres Jimenez, sort of, uh, we get an explanation as to to why he sort of faded there uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, that was uh, definitely uh, revealing because, like you said, Joe, he he kind of fell off the face of the earth. You know, late in September and in the postseason, he just wasn't the same guy. We didn't see the power, you know, that we'd seen, you know, especially in the first half of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, he, so, I mean, but the good thing is it doesn't need surgery. It's non-displaced. 
and uh, it didn't it didn't sound like it was going to take a lot of rehab or anything like that, Joe. It sounded like he's going to be ready for spring training. Now he's a guy that's you know committed to playing for Venezuela in in the WBC, and I wonder if that'll have any effect on that. Yeah, and it might it might just serve to get him going a little bit more uh, as well. So the the opportunity there um, uh, for him to play, hopefully, you know, that you always hold your breath when guys are committed to play in those um, in, in the World Baseball Classic. We'll we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Anthony Ghost, another guy. Uh, they they updated. They said he's still recovering from Tommy John surgery. Nothing really new to report there. He's going to continue his uh, rehab here in Cleveland and then head out to Arizona. Uh, in the next week or so, Nick Sandlin uh, getting a, a plasma injection in his right shoulder where he, he suffered that terrorist major strain in the wild card round. Uh, they said that, you know, he'll do therapy six to eight weeks and he should be shouldn't be restricted when he gets to spring training. Uh, and then Josh Naylor, uh, he's going up to Green Bay to visit with uh, Dr. Robert Anderson, who performed the surgery on his right ankle. Uh, just sort of uh, kick the tires and and make sure everything's still where it needs to be uh, with him. Didn't really uh, uh, sound like there was any additional intervention needed, but he's expected to have a normal offseason, and I think that's the biggest plus for Josh Naylor. He can focus on just his conditioning, uh, you know, maybe drop a few pounds and, and get stronger, and and come back next season and and not really have to just uh, gut it out like through every day and, and every time he ran the bases you just sort of held your breath with Josh Naylor last year hopefully next year he can come in you know maybe we'll be we'll be writing that old spring training cliche uh, best shape of my life uh, <laughs> about Josh Naylor hopefully we see that uh, be the case yeah definitely I mean he you know he really he was another guy that kind of played on one leg the whole season um, and, uh, you know, just uh, still had, what, career highs and home runs and RBIs. Uh, did, uh, so, yeah, yeah, a clean bill of health will certainly help uh, Naylor's off-season conditioning. A couple of uh, broad stroke sort of uh, topics to, to sort of cover and, and hit there. Uh, Antonetti did mention, uh, just like last off-season, that he expects there to be a little bit of financial flexibility uh for the for the club it's you know won't be dodgers or yankees type money that they'll be able to spend on the payroll but within the the systems and the constraints of their own uh sort of market and and what they expect to be able to do uh you know they it's not like they'll be uh running around crying poor all off season uh now that they've they know that they've got a, a winning club here uh they can maybe look to sort of invest some resources in it yeah, they're they are in a great spot, Joe. We've talked about this before. Young, intriguing big league roster, uh, prospects uh, coming up through the pipeline, and uh, you know some some money to spend. And it's not like they have to add four, five, six guys. You you add one or two guys to this to this uh, you know to this twenty six, twenty eight man roster, whatever it is. Um, you know you. Th- that's what they need. They they are they put themselves in position to you know to improve this team with with maybe one or two additions, and uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be an exciting winter, and hopefully they're able to pull it off. They only have one free agent. That's Austin Hedges. Uh, you know I think 
you know, both sides will probably explore all their options on, on that regard. But uh, as far as negotiating contracts with current players, uh, Shane Bieber, Ahmed Rosario were both mentioned as uh, as guys who are, you know, there's potential there. Uh, you know, we've talked on this podcast a, a number of times about what we think uh, the Bieber situation is. Uh, they don't necessarily discuss specifics about players uh, during these kind of sessions, but uh, I'm sure the, the Guardians would jump at the opportunity to offer Shane Bieber some sort of contract extension if he were willing to sit down and negotiate. We just haven't seen that there's any evidence that that's the case yet. Another player that was mentioned was Ahmed Rosario and the possibility of offering him some sort of long-term deal. Uh, you know, very non-committal, I think, um, the, the Guardians were in that regard, but uh, they, they said, you know, Tito said they like him. They said he's reliable. Uh, he's valuable in a lot of different ways. And, you know, you really have to, to look and, and search for things to, to find that you don't like about a guy like Ahmed Rosario. Yeah, he's in his, you know, just finished his fifth year. He's one year away from free agency. So, you know, that's going to be, uh, I think they, they could, they could, They'd have to. It's got to be a two or three year deal, Joe, to get to even get his interest. I think he's really improved his his market value. Uh, would he like to stay here? It seems like him and Jose are, are really close. I think it'd be a good fit for him to stay. But uh, I think uh, you know when the with free agent calling, free agency calling, it's it's tough. It's tough if you don't really kind of blow these guys away and. And uh, we'll have to see, you know, but he's he certainly had a good run with Cleveland. Uh, we also uh, got to mention uh, just very briefly about, uh, you know, the, the, the quality of the defense that was played at the end of the year, evidenced by the, the five gold glove finalists, uh, Oscar Gonzalez's progression and his uh, development and, and, you know, what the expectations are for him next year with the outfield. You know, Tito said, the outfield looks like it's pretty much set for next year, uh, if, if that's the case. And, uh, you know, interesting to hear their thoughts on that. Uh, a couple of players like uh, Will Brennan, uh, the young guys that were mentioned. Obviously, there was a, a whole discussion about Stephen Kwan and the the ex, the unexpected uh, surprise that, that he provided this year. Uh, just in general, they, they, they covered a lot of, of different topics. And um, it, like you said, it's a, it's a, a pretty good position to be in if you're, uh, if you're in the Guardians front office right now. Yeah, you know, they, they've got the best of both worlds. It's a fertile uh, farm system, you know, a strong uh, big league club made up of uh, young players that aren't, you know, that, uh, you know, aren't, are, aren't making a whole lot of money, uh, but have shown, you know, that they can play in the big leagues. Uh, it's, and, uh, you know, they have the ability to go out and add some pieces. So, you know, they, they're kind of sitting in the catbird seat right now. All right. Well, we've got plenty to discuss coming out of that meeting. We will uh, pick it up uh, next week, uh, beginning Monday, uh, off-season hot stove editions of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast coming your way all uh, through the winter. Uh, so keep it here on cleveland.com. Uh, and we'll be back with uh, myself and Hoinsey. Uh, all the way up until spring training. <laughs>